Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. Great guest this week. I am interviewing U.S. Olympian, Team USA skier, Jalen Koff. Now, she went to the last Olympics. Another Olympics coming up very soon in 2022 uh, in Beijing. I know we just had an Olympics. I just had someone on uh, from the Olympics with, with the bobsledder. But, uh, you know, of course, with COVID, the Summer Olympics got pushed back to 2021. So the Winter Olympics that was already scheduled is still taking place in 2022. Great time to speak with Jalen. We catched up with her while uh, she is in Finland getting ready for the Olympics, preparing and and, uh, doing those practice runs. So the audio, occasionally uh, she's got some some interference, some background noise. And then I I said interference, but she also, I think she might have been in a room with uh, some other other people. A few times you hear them in the background kind of laughing and talking to each other. Nothing to, to affect uh, some really cool things she talked about. Just growing up as a skier, as a mogul skier, we're going to talk about what mogul skiing is. I'm sure you've seen it in the Olympics where they're going going back and forth on the uh, these, these bumps, which are called moguls. We'll talk all about that. Growing up as a skier, growing up um, with both parents being professional skiers, that was a really cool thing. She was just a really awesome person. Preparing for that next uh, that next Olympics here in just a few months now, and uh, interesting perspective. I'm going to talk to another Olympian here in a, about a month or so is when it'll come out. But uh, she's uh, this one. Uh, it was just interesting that she talked about the first Olympics and just the expectations that were on her as kind of the number one mogul skier in the world at the time and the expectations kind of just, uh, you know, weighing weighing on her and how it kind of affected her results and, and what she's done now to kind of change, uh, change some of that background noise. But I, I really appreciate her being candid about, you know, that that struggle with expectations. We all have them and just doing doing your best and putting your, your best in is always a big thing. And I know that's what which she uh, she really wants to. It's really powerful that she talked about uh, how she just wished she had a, a another opportunity to to have put her best run in. Not anything about you know where she placed, but that she just wanted a, a, the opportunity to know she did her best. Really, really cool person. I think you'll enjoy this one. Without further ado, here is my interview with Olympian Jalen Koff. I am here today with Jalen Koff. Jalen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So first thing, you know, I was working with, uh, you know, your, your person to make sure that we got the time zones all correct. We're talking to you while you're in Finland. So what has you in Finland right now? Um, so right now I'm just over at the last prep camp of the season. Um, so we've been over here since the beginning of the month. Um, and we're here until our first World Cup of the season. Yeah, well, that's that's cool. How do how you like Finland so far? And have you been there before? Yeah, so we come here every every start of the year. Our first World Cup is always here. Um, 
and we have a little prep camp right before the season. Um, so it's probably my, I don't know, sixth year here, sixth or seventh, but it's good. It's like a little winter wonderland. Dark. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I've never been there, but I've been to Iceland and I know the, just it's, it takes some getting used to, to, to understand, you know, it's, it's light when you don't think it should be light and it's dark when you don't think it should be dark. And yeah, I, I can only imagine. Can you see, is there Northern lights in that area? I don't know if this, this is not really the time of year, is it? I don't, I'm not even sure. Um, I haven't seen them yet. I've seen them before here. Uh, so you definitely can, but it's been pretty snowy and foggy lately. Well, beyond that, we're going to talk to you obviously about skiing, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, I guess, just you as a whole outside of uh, the skiing world. So tell us a little bit about Jalen Cobb. Um, let's see, raised in Wyoming, um, pretty much do every activity outside in the mountains that you can do, <laughs> spend lots of time up at the lake in the summer, um, love biking, surfing, and currently going to school for graphic design. Hmm. Um, but it mostly just revolves around skiing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure when you get to, to the level that, that you are, I've talked to some other Olympians too, that that's kind of their, their thing that, Hey, I mean, I didn't get where I am by focusing on a lot of other things. So I can, I can understand that. So, uh, I mean, tell us, I guess, what started your passion for, for skiing and has it always been, you know, mogul skiing, which is something that I don't think a lot of people know about. So I don't know whether that's, you know, you've always been focused on that or you started out just as a regular skier and moved into this, but let's just talk about that passion for, for the snow. Yeah. I don't know if I was really ever a regular skier. Both my parents were professional skiers. So it was, we were all in from the start, just skiing from opening to close every day as much as we could just lived on the slopes. Um, and I mean, I guess that's where my passion for skiing started was just doing it all the time as a kid uh, just chasing my parents mostly my older brother around the mountain um, and we kind of did everything played every sport tried every ski discipline that was available to us um, I mostly just did whatever my older brother did because I want to be like him um, so we started out as alpine racers um, and then he one to ski moguls and I finally gave in and skied moguls and it was it was pretty fun I won my age group so I was pretty stoked with that <laughs> um but then just I mean it was always just about like skiing for us just being on the mountain having fun um and so we skied in in big mountain events and a big air event here or there if there was one at the mountain um, and then in high school, I did skier cross as well. Um, and I didn't really narrow it down to just mogul skiing until I was, might've been my junior year in high school. So I just kind of played around in everything up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk more specifically about what mogul skiing is, but what are, you said that you kind of played around in a lot of the different, uh, areas of skiing. What are some of those areas? Um, yeah, so big mountain skiing um, and and skier cross were the other two events that I really, um, I guess, was was more into. 
but yeah, I think just eventually like ended up in moguls or decided on to do that exclusively just because the uniqueness of it, it kind of takes all those different aspects from every other snow sport that I'd competed in and, and packs it into one run. Yeah. Well, I never like to assume, you know, the listener knows very much. So I want to, I do want to talk about mogul, but you keep saying the word skier cross. That seems like a, it's a mixed <laughs> up word. What in the world is skier cross? Um, so skier cross is, it's usually like four to six athletes starting the gate together. And it's like, you know, gates open. It's like a horse race going side to side with all these other athletes through like rolls and some like jumps and bank turns and whatnot. And it's first person across the line wins. Mm. So it's a speed, speed event with lots of different features along the way. So are you going, are you going down or is it flat? Cause that's the, when I watch, you know, skiing, the ones that they're just flat and they're just moving, I'm thinking that's, that's the in, most <laughs> interesting one to me. I'm like, I don't understand why you're skiing. If you're, if you're flat, I feel like you could just be walking. Yeah. So that's like cross country skiing or skate skiing, which I also tried, but I, I didn't really to hike with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot more work. <laughs> it looks like um, a lot more work. <laughs> But yeah, so skier cross, you're going down. Yeah. Um, so you're going pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your, your specific area of skiing and, and mogul skiing. Cause that's an interesting one to kind of see and, and watch too. Yeah. So mogul skiing is, there's three sections of moguls or bumps, um, divided by two airs. So you have a small section of moguls, the top section, and then an air, and you land back in and then there's a long section of moguls. And at the end of that is another air into the bottom section of moguls. And so the score is you're judged on speed, you're judged on your turns and you're judged on your airs. Which is like a kind of a, a jump. Are you supposed to do like a, I don't know, like a trick at that point? Cause I feel like a lot of times I see people do, do that. Is that something you're judged on? Yeah, so the air score is, I mean, it gets pretty complicated the more you dive into it. I don't fully understand. Um, But basically every trick or every like maneuver has a certain degree of difficulty. So you start with the straight air and that's the lowest degree of difficulty and you can go up to off axis 1440, which is at the top. (laughs) Not doing that myself, but... um, and so then they combine your two air scores from both jumps. Yeah, I knew there's had to be a better word, maneuver. I knew probably doing tricks is not exactly what you're you're calling it. But um, wh- which one is it? Is it even? You know, when it comes to your score, which one's more important? The 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 moguls, the bumps, and getting through those, or or the the air. So the the moguls, the turns are sixty percent of your score. So that's like the biggest chunk of it, mm-hmm. and then. Speed and jumps are both 20%. Which part, I guess, do you feel like the most uh, confident in? Where, where's the scores the, most, uh, the highest for you? Is it those those uh, airs or is it getting through the, the moguls or, or where are you, I guess, the, the strongest? Um, I'm definitely known, known for my speed. Mm. Um, I'm typically in the top, if not at the top, for the speed in the ladies' field. Um, and the turns are definitely a strong suit for me. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, just to, I don't feel like you're going to brag on yourself. But from what I read, I think you're like <laughs> one of the fastest in the world with that. Isn't that correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, let, let's kind of talk about what, what's some common injuries for mogul skiing, because when I watch it, all I see is like, ouch, my knees, my knees, my knees, my knees. I feel like that would be uncomfortable. So, I mean, do, does people have those knee issues or is it, you know, leg issues or, or what's a common injury for a, for a mogul skier? Um, yeah. Knees is probably the most common, like ACLs, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not um, trying to do that you. myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the most common in our sport. Yeah. And how, I guess, how many, how often are you having to do these runs? Cause it does look like it's physically taxing. Is it something that, you know, is that you're doing dozen times a day or you just have to do it a few times or, or, or how, I guess, how much of, uh, do you have to be going up and down those hills and, and putting all that strain on your, your body? Yeah. So a typical competition day, um, for, so we have two events with single moguls and dual moguls. And so singles, you're just skiing down the course by yourself. Um, and for that event, there's qualifications, which everyone skis in. Um, and then finals. So the top 16 from the first run move on. And then from that run, the top six move on. And so you have three competition runs in that day and usually three training runs to go along with it. Um, and then in a dual day, you're going head to head with other competitors and it's just like a bracket throughout the day. So you can ski up to probably the most would be like eight competition runs. Hmm. And then along with, you know, maybe two or three more training runs that day. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. And then, you know, when it comes to training and, and, and getting prepared for these things, where, where are a lot of the, the, the training happening, you know, again, with talking to, the different Olympians, you know, some do you just need a, a pool or they just need, um, you know, a, a basketball court. I talked to a bobsledder. Obviously there's not bobsledding, you know, <laughs> tracks everywhere. Is there a lot of areas that have, you know, with skiing, I would understand that would be kind of an easier thing to find, but there are, is there a lot of places that actually have set up these, these moguls for, for you to practice or is there very specific places you have to go? Um, it definitely depends a lot on the time of year. So in the summer, typically we do a lot of water ramping, which is um, we have in Park City, Utah, and it's a plastic ramp, which goes into a pool. And so we're just practicing our airs um, for most of the summer. And then we get to go out to Mount Hood, Oregon, where we just have an air site on snow. Um, and so a lot of the like off season, which is from May to end of November, um, it can be pretty challenging to find anywhere to train with like a full mogul course, just cause you do need like a certain like pitch run that's long enough, that's steep enough. And so there's not that many places like this time of year that offer training with a full course. That's why we're in Finland for so long. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and again, with the bobsledder, yeah, they go overseas too. Cause I think it's, it's, it, it, same, same type of thing there. And you said that one of your, your practices, you're going into a, a pool. Are you, are you in your full ski gear? And I feel like that would be, I, that would be hard to land in water with, with skis. I feel like I'd drowned. 
Yeah, so we have our ski boots on, our skis, helmet, but then we're just wearing like a wetsuit and a life jacket. Mm. And so our boots actually float, which help us um, in the life jacket. So it's a lot easier than it sounds. (laughs) Well, that's good then. That's good. So tell us, I guess the you you obviously have, have grown up doing this and 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 doing at a at a pretty high level. But what was the process of uh, you know joining the the U.S. Olympic team? It, it is very different for for each sport. And then uh, I guess being uh, you know invited to to be on the team for for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So the process, I guess, to make the U.S. ski team um, is basically just working your way up through through the systems below so starting with regional competitions and then from those qualifying for the North American tour which is kind of the level right below World Cup and then doing starting to do well on that and then transfer to higher level competitions and so how I initially got World Cup starts was from an event called U.S. Elections which happens every December and the top athlete from that event gets World Cup starts at the at the U.S. event Um, and a team or a a girl on the U.S. team ended up being injured to to start the season that year and so there are also two Canadian starts which I was able to get and I ended up getting a podium at a World Cup that year and that's how I qualified for the team. I got you. So is it a, is it an actual selection process or is it just as easy as, Hey, the people that are at the top of the, the standings in this is, is who's going and, and being on the, the team. Um, I mean, that was, that was like a specific event um, to qualify me for, for a start at another event, but basically like in the simplest terms to qualify for this US ski team they take the top athletes with the most um, FIS points earned from competitions. So what was it like once you, you realized that, Hey, I'm, I'm there and I'm going to be on the, the team and I'm going to be able to compete at, at the Olympics. It was really cool. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the dream, you know, everyone in the sport wants to be an Olympian to go to the Olympics and have the opportunity to compete for your country. And so it's obviously like a dream come true. Yeah. 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 So once, <laughs> once, once you got there, you know, because this answer has been different for, for everyone too. your competition, how big is the, the mogul skiing world? I've talked to people who, you know, Hey, this, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing water polo and, and there's so many different teams that I was competing against very new people and the Olympics mm. were just everywhere at, at a higher level. And then again, with the bobsledder, he said, you know, there's not, the bobsled world small. We really were competing against the same people we always compete against, but just at a, at a higher stage. So what was that like for you? Was it the same people that you're always competing against? or was it completely new competition? Yeah, the mogul skiing community is pretty small. Um, I mean, at a typical World Cup, we probably have from 30 to 40 girls competing. Um, And so it's a relatively small field. And the Olympics is probably like just a little smaller than normal um, because every country is allocated only a certain number of spots. And so that kind of cuts the field down when you remove those athletes who don't qualify. Um, 
but yeah, it's just competing against the same people, maybe a few less than at a normal world cup. So I guess talk about the experience of, of going and being in the Olympics and maybe some things that surprised you or, or things that you, you didn't expect. And maybe those uh, really positive parts as well. Um, yeah. So going into the Olympics, I had pretty bit big expectations. I went in ranked number one um, and definitely, I mean, I think as everyone does, like had my sights set on that Olympic medal and getting a gold medal. Um, and I knew I could do it, but I think like looking back on it was pretty tough, you know, going in with that pressure from, from others and mostly myself of having that number one bib, like being ranked number one at my very first Olympics ever and expecting myself and feeling like I was expected to win. And it, like, I remember at the games kind of, you know, trying to talk it down a little bit because it is, like I just said, I'm competing against the same people I normally do. It's no, like, there's nothing different about it than a normal event other than it having the name of being the Olympics and a lot more media coverage. (laughs) But that, I mean, that does add to it. It makes it a a different and a bigger event. And I, I tried to tell myself that like, it's, it's just like a world cup. Like you don't have to think about it differently, but I think like looking back on it that you do, and that's okay that it's a different event and that it does have, more pressure on it, but I think I definitely let that get to me a little bit more than I wish I had. It was definitely a big learning experience for me. You know, I was I finished seventh, which was just one spot short of making that super final and and being in that final group of girls skiing for the medals, which was pretty heartbreaking. Like not getting that one final run to just put it all out there and know that you left nothing behind. Um, and it was really tough to swallow that, that I didn't, I didn't get that last run, but I also, you know, competed at my first Olympics and I got seventh, which not a lot of people get to say. Um, and I was really proud of how I competed and how I performed course I wish that like the results were different (laughs) and that I could have done just a little better but um you know it it was a big learning experience and I think like you know right now there's a lot of thought of going into the next Olympics and I think that I'm definitely at an advantage having that experience before and being able to learn from that going into these ones yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's in regardless of the results, no one's going to take away from you that, that you, that you've been an Olympian and that's a really special thing for sure. I, I appreciate you being as, as candid as, as you, you are. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I never even talk to people about their, their results at all, unless they, they bring it up because talk to people who darn near finished last and then people who's won, you know, the last three gold medals. So it, it I, I don't, you know, that's, that's not what I'm all about to make you talk about your exact results, but I, I'm glad to hear that it's, uh, you know, kind of made you, uh, made you want to, I guess, have that drive to, to, to get into that next Olympics. 
and that, that was kind of leads into my next question. What is the longevity of a, a mogul skier? Is it something that uh, you see people going to multiple Olympics for, or is it something that you know, it's a, a, a young person's sport, so to speak, or, or what's that longevity? Um, it's definitely a young person's sport and turning into more and more. So, um, I mean, if you look at World Cup, like the age on World Cup, it's the oldest you see is maybe 30, um, and they're considered old for the sport. Uh, most people are retiring, at least in their late 20s, by 30. And a lot of the girls are probably early 20s. Some, I feel like, I mean, for our team, for the USC team, I'm considered like the veteran or the old person on the team at 25. So, <laughs> so, you know, is I, I and I wasn't going to ask necessarily that, but you kind of, uh, you kind of alluded to it. So is the goal, I mean, are you trying to, to work your way towards that, that next Olympics? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, definitely these ones, 2022 and in, in Beijing, but I, I always thought like going into my career, I guess once I made the ski team that like I'd go to the 22 Olympics and then maybe one more year on world cup just for fun. And that would be it. Um, but that came up really fast <laughs> and I'm like getting to that point where I was like, well, the plan was to ski one, maybe two more years, but I don't think I'm done yet. I feel like I still have, you know, a lot to give to the sport. I feel like I have a lot left in my tank. And I mean, thinking about going to like two more Olympics through 2026 is, is a lot. And that seems like I'm going to be old by the time I'm done, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. We'll see. Just kind of playing it, I guess, year by year, as long as it's fun. I want to keep going. No, that, that makes some sense. And I want to talk later about, you know, your, your plans for the future after, after you get off the, the slope, so to speak, but let's talk about, uh, I guess uh, another lifelong dream you were able to fulfill something I know nothing about. I did a little bit of research, you know, after I, I kind of read about that, it was something that you, that you did talk about exactly what Warren Miller films are and being able to, to <laughs> be featured in that. I mean, I feel like Warren Miller films are just like the classic ski movie. Mm. Um, I mean, that was, I feel like the, from what I remember, like, no, like the first like real ski movie that was just about like that, like love and passion for skiing. And um, I mean, Warren is definitely like iconic in, in, the ski world. Um, and I grew up, so my parents skied in a few Warren Miller films and I think we're still in them when like my brother and I were really little. And so I always thought that like, that's when you made it as a skier, you know, like my parents were in Warren Miller films and they're like the most incredible skiers ever. Like, yeah, I just like thought that that was like the top top of the top <laughs> yeah yeah and you, you you we've mentioned your parents being professional skiers I, I guess what was that like growing up with that did did it kind of drive you to 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 excel and, and it's helped you kind of throughout your 
your career to, to have that background? Do you feel like maybe it's put added pressure on you? Cause you know, they've, they were, were, you know, what they were as well, or, or how do you, how do you feel about all that? I'm sure they were supportive. This is, this is not the, the podcast to be like, Oh, they pushed me, they pushed me, but if that's the case, then I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they like, I think that they really love that I, I guess, pursued a career in the same sport that they did. Um, and also like found that passion and love for it. And it's really cool now because they get it. Like they get competing at a high level and they get the sport. Um, and like, they just, they understand, I think a lot of what I'm going through, which is really awesome for me. And I mean, I, I guess growing up, like, I don't know if everyone sees professional skiing or skiing as like a career option. Um, it's not like you have skiers coming to like career day at school. Um, but for me growing up with professional skiers as parents, like that was always in the books. It was always an option. And so they both skied on the Promogal tour for a long time, um, before I guess, and during my brother and I, when we were born. Um, and then my mom also competed in the X Games for skier cross. And I mean, I remember that as a kid, like she competed until, maybe 2002 or so and so I remember like as a kid some of my earliest memories like getting to watch her compete and standing on the podium with her at the X Games which was just so inspirational like she was a mom and still like out there competing chasing this passion and this dream and I mean just such a cool person <laughs> well that's cool i'm sure she likes to be i'm, I'm sure she likes it that she thinks she's a cool mom that's that's what every mom <laughs> dreams of also shows you though that you, know, you talked about you being a an old person in the skiing world it sounds like your, your parents kind of showed you that you can you can keep it keep rocking it so you, you mentioned other things they did were either one of them ever in the olympics um no so the olympic or mogul skiing wasn't in the olympic mm when they were competing so i thought that was something you could just brush your shoulders off on them but <laughs> apparently that wasn't an, op an option for them but oh well. yeah so let's uh i guess kind of move on from from that and i noticed on your your instagram a, a couple things one uh your your motto was this on your instagram i don't remember where i got this but you had a motto that uh, about deliver the love what's what exactly does that mean um, so that is a friend I met through, I guess, the ski industry through the ski team helped me come up with basically like a motto for myself. And it kind of, we went through like all these different exercises and whatnot. And it basically came to the conclusion that like why I'm doing things, why I'm skiing, why I'm competing is because I love it. Um, and so for me with skiing, like that's what I want to go out and do every run, every training run, every competition run is just deliver the love because I'm there to have fun because I love it. And I've gone through, I guess, some learning experiences to like get back to that. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in the results and the medals and 
all of that. But when it comes down to it, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I want to compete. And that's not why I'm competing. It's because I love it. And so that's just kind of my like reminder to just pull me back to, to the base of it. No, I think that's, that's good. I think that's really good. The, the moment that it's not fun anymore. I feel like that, that shows a lot of times in people's results too. So I, I think that's mm-hmm. a, an, a powerful thing. One thing I know I found on your Instagram, just to kind of touch on things that aren't, aren't skiing, talk about, I guess, your involvement or your, your, uh, I guess your, your passion for this whole plastic free Fridays. What's, what's that all about? Oh yeah. So I am doing, I guess, kind of like an internship with them. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm going to school for graphic design. Um, and so I reached out to this company because of my passion for living plastic free or trying to, um, and I was able to work out like a, um, graphic design internship with them, which is really fun that I get to like practice my skills now in real life. (laughs) But yeah, I just initially like, I guess got connected with them because like, I mean, climate change is a huge thing that's affecting winter sports. And I think it really does come down to like the little conscious decisions that we're all making as individuals. And so I really tried to consciously start like eliminating a lot of waste um, and specifically like plastic and single use plastic yeah, well, I, I commend you for that. I'll, I'll tell you, last year, uh, I, I went <laughs> I went to the zoo and they had our, our dolphin, you know, our dolphin presentation. Basically, the whole thing is trying to tell you not to use plastic that, you know, goes into the ocean, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it was impactful. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I got to stop using as much plastic as I do. And it is a hard, hard thing. So I it, it's it, the, the world has not made it easy to to be a little bit more. Uh, conscientious even when you want to so those who don't even think about it it's it's impossible so i yeah. i can only i can only imagine so i <laughs> i i applaud you for that for sure so you i guess in wrapping up the skiing part of of everything what is your your advice to those who who do want to to i guess first be a just a better skier in general i've only skied one time it was probably the worst place to go because it was in Salt Lake City right before the 2002 Olympics when it was in one of the mountains that they were going to have uh, <laughs> competitions. It's first time skiing. It did not go so well. So talk about uh, talk about I guess just basic tips for being a good skier, and then also you know those who may be a little bit better, just very basic tips to to mogul skiing. And the last thing, you know, we talked about 2002. I'm not, that makes me sound like an old man because I was like, I don't know. I was like seven years old at that point. So. <laughs> um, I mean, just to, I guess, your average person wanting to ski or ski more, I feel like just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be afraid to fall. And I think this goes for, I mean, both, both categories here of, you know, falling, crashing, making mistakes, whatever. That's how you learn and that's how you get better. Um, and I think, yeah, from probably beginners to myself, like it's really easy to be hard on yourself and, and yeah, beat yourself up over those and not want to do it more. But yeah, that's how you learn. Um, as long as it's fun and you enjoy it, then 
you know, keep doing it. There you go. Yeah. So let's uh, just, just to, you know, mention that you're a professional skier. Obviously you've competed at the top level. I'm sure you never, ever fall, right? Uh, uh, I definitely fall. (laughs) So that's, that's kind of the point that I I think that everyone, everyone's going to crash every once in a while. And I feel like tons of people like that. That's the end of it. I, I know for me, after I've, I fell a few times, I'm like, you know what? That, uh, that lodge in the hot chocolate sounds pretty good right now, but, but yeah, yeah so, I get that for sure. Right. Right. So, uh, you, you mentioned that you're, I guess probably the future holds graphic design. So talk about once you're, you're done skiing, whether that's tomorrow, or whether that's, you know, 15 <laughs> years from now, what, what, uh, what's the plan after, uh, after you you're done with uh, your professional skiing career, I'm sure you're never going to stop skiing completely. I hope not anyways. Yeah, definitely won't ever stop skiing. Um, maybe have time for some more like big mountain skiing filming, but yeah, I don't really know yet. Um, still have to finish up school for graphic design. Um, probably have a couple years left there, depending on how how slow I go with it. <laughs> um, but probably do something there. I don't really know what I want to do with it, but we'll see. You've, you've got plenty of time. My, my day job is, is in advising in at a college. So yeah, I would say, you know, 90% of people, even <laughs> in their senior year have no idea what they want to do. So that's very yeah. common. You know, when you, you gave us skiing advice, if I'm going to give you education advice, don't, don't be too hard <laughs> on yourself there either, because it's a, it's a, a learning process to figure out exactly what you want to do. And I think a lot of people spend the first even few jobs these days, kind of figuring it out. Like, mm, no, this is not it. Let's let's find something else. <laughs> so beyond that, in in truly wrapping it all up, uh, what uh, how how can people connect with you? They they want to see a little bit more about Morgul skiing. They want to follow your your career. How can uh, how can they connect? Um, I mean, the best way to, would be to follow my Instagram, which is at jkoff, um, and I always share like updates of what I'm doing and where I'm at skiing, but also sharing our, our competition schedule and like how to watch our events and whatnot. Um, and so that's the best way I think to like get information on, on me and, and mogul skiing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you. This was fun. So that was Jalen Kopp. What a cool person. I I'm just so excited to see her in 2022 in Beijing. Just tear it up i i know that uh she's definitely uh, an amazing person and if she's half the athlete is she is uh, a person I, I know that she'll uh, she'll win the gold for sure so really appreciate her time hope you enjoyed that learning just a little bit more about uh, someone at the top of their sport and maybe a sport that you don't know a ton about you know, everyone knows skiing but mogul skiing that was something i wasn't 100 percent sure before i started kind of looking into to jaylen Definitely seen the Olympics and, and different ski activities, but I, I couldn't have told you what mogul skiing was before, uh, probably before a few weeks before we spoke. So just hearing the insight of that, hearing the insight of her first Olympics and how she's preparing uh, for this one, knowing kind of the pressures behind it, how she's preparing to uh, to kind of distance herself from those pressures and uh, and and. Put, a, put in a good run this year. Uh, like I said, wish her a ton of success there. Really, really insightful about kind of growing up in the sport as well. 
I think that uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of Olympians. I, I feel like you find have a sports background, kind of growing up in, in their family, but hers is directly with professional skiing. So really, really insightful. Really enjoyed speaking with her. If you do want to follow along, see uh, see her social media. It'll be in the uh, show description, show notes. I know that uh, she just mentioned it at the end of the interview as well. Just her name, Jalen Koff. Um, check her out of course check us out on facebook if you want on instagram not enough podcast jacksonf.com send us an email uh, if you're listening on apple leave us a review five stars always appreciate that um, spotify obviously i think you can you can subscribe follow there as well thanks for being here hope you check us out uh, next week Always, uh, always interesting guests in, in all kinds of different genres. So uh, without, uh, without saying much more, take us out, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.